Next guest getting ready to run his marathon for a great cause. He's a very interesting man. Loves Bitcoin. Uh, very much in shape. Uh, he's a big baseball fan too, so no doubt was watching Vlad Jr. go off yesterday at CJ. Chris Johnson of the NHL and Sports Center Hockey Night in Canada. How's it going, CJ? I'm going well. I was just hoping that Vlad would get a chance for a fourth homer, but dude, so that's, was the, I. that's the greedy person in me, I suppose. Me too. I, I can't listen. I'll admit to something right now. Um, I wanted the Blue Jays to win the game, but would I have been devastated if they gave up four runs there and had to bat in the bottom of the ninth and give Vlad a chance for the first four homer game in Blue Jays history? I would have been probably okay with that. Right, but it would have happened in Dunedin, so. You know, let's save that. Let's save his four homer game for when we can get back to to Rogers Center. That's a that's a valid point. Hey, hey, before we get to the Leafs, um, yeah, plug what you're doing with this run, forty two point two kilometers in support of uh, Conquer COVID. Yeah, man, that's incredible. Yeah, uh, crazy. I, so today was my three hundred and sixty fourth day running. So I got one more day to complete the year, and uh, going to run forty two point two kilometers tomorrow, trying to put some good energy towards a conquer COVID-19 charity. I know a lot of people have donated. I appreciate that and supported the effort. And now I got to hold up my end of the bargain and actually get that run done. So I'm feeling the, the normal amount of unease right now you would before doing anything like that. And, uh, but I'll be excited once I wake up tomorrow and, and get out there and do my part. How, how far oh, have you gone You're... at this point? No, it's, it's awesome, man. Like you should be proud of it. And, I, like whatever unease you're feeling should be completely counteracted with pride because it's yeah. like awesome, like really. And, and I know we like to joke around a lot on this show and have you on and tease you and do whatever, but it's like, yeah, that's just you've been a guy who's put himself out there for, since like basically day one of this thing, and you've done a lot. And yeah, like I'm honestly proud to call you a colleague and a friend, man. Like you're just that dude. Wow, getting seriousness on the on good show is a. Not what I'm accustomed to. I appreciate no. that, guys. And uh, yeah, honestly, I'll be totally frank. It's not the most comfortable place for me to be sharing this all publicly. But you know, I just decided at some point that hopefully I could do some good. You know, one of the unexpected parts of this, actually, probably the most unexpected, is you know, it was back in March when I first discussed my run streak and, and how many colleagues and friends reached out and said that hearing about that got them moving and got them thinking about exercise, you know, because let's face it, the pandemic's hit lots of people in lots of different ways. And I think for some people being at home all this time has, has meant more time on the couch, more time maybe making bad food choices, whatever. And, and, and so people have gotten moving from uh, hearing this. And that's, I mean, I would never have thought of that. And I'm, I'm glad if I can shed some positive light, it's not really about bringing any uh, sunshine my way, but I just want to try to to help people get through this as, as best we can by, by being honest about what's going on. Let's hope that they don't ban running before tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> Elliot Friedman actually texted me today when, when those most recent lockdown things were announced. He's like, are you allowed to still do your run? And I was like, I have no idea, but I'm doing it. So No, that's good. <laughs> that, you know that uh, everybody's doing a bang-up job when people go, am I allowed to run outside? They're like, mm, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> it is good though man and like yeah we'll move off to the hockey stuff but ben and i actually did have a conversation before the show today about how one of the difficulties of all of this has been that it's just in in like it's just more and more indoors which is just more and more inactivity and more encouraging of inactivity and it's just I, we really do need to get back to places where people can get back outside. People can continue to do things that, that they love that keep them active because yeah, one of the things that we should learn from this pandemic is how fragile yeah, all of our systems are, but that includes ourselves, right? Where, Hey, guess what? Like it's a good thing to be healthy. It's a good thing to be active. It's a good thing to eat well and get some exercise and this will help you. This will be something that is of value. So yeah, I, I do think that that's an especially important message right now as we are inside, as we do continue to see the time on screen notification pop up and continue to increase. And yeah, the, the ease in which it is to just stay on the couch, stay inside and do those activities and uh, the added content, everything. It's like, yeah, get outside, be active, do those things. So hockey stuff, you had something that was kind of buried in your article about the Freddie Anderson return. Um, it was a good piece. 
you talked about it essentially being a blessing in disguise, but if I have it down here, it, it says, it will be Campbell's net if and when it happens regarding Freddie Anderson if he's able to return this season. Is that a report or is that a feel? That's a feel. Um, well, look, he could go 0-6 in the remaining of the regular season, and I guess that would change. I mean, this is the beauty of sports. That that, that thing wasn't carved into stone on the on the side of the building uh, at Scotiabank Arena. But, um, you know, I, I do think given the way Jack Campbell's played this year and, you know, just the fact that Frederick Anderson hasn't had a game since March 19th, you know, we, we expect him – most likely to have an AHL conditioning stint, so we will get some game action before the playoffs start. But, I, I you know, I, I'm saying game one of the playoffs, you're starting with Jack Campbell. It doesn't mean that that's where you end up. Um, you know, Philip Grubauer started net for the Capitals the first two games of the, the, you know, the year they won the Stanley Cup before Braden Holtby took back over the net. You know, I think that they, this is really setting up to me, quite frankly, that, that Frederick Anderson can – can come in and, and play games in the playoffs. I, I just don't see him starting the first game of the playoffs for the Leafs unless there's an injury situation between then and now or something goes terribly wrong for, for Jack Campbell in terms of his performance. But, you know, in 16 or 17 games, whatever it is he's appeared in this season, I think you've seen enough to have comfort with him and to say that he's earned uh, he's earned that first start of the playoffs and then you react accordingly. You just go day by day and, and you know, see where the team's at. But, you know, I... I, I would say this. I, I'm reasonably sure we'll see both of these guys play playoff games for the Leafs, you know, in the next few weeks. I just I'm not sure of the exact order or how it's gonna to, to, to pair up. Is there a valid counter argument to him getting those rehab games in the American League with an obviously inferior um defense in front of him, maybe some scrambly play in front of the net? Like is there is there anybody who's like, Hey, you know what? In fact, it's probably just best to keep him under a controlled supervision of a of a National Hockey League practice as opposed to playing in a in a real game but not a National Hockey League game. I don't think so. You know, I think the the getting back and, and playing in a game situation is is got is important. And, you know, in this case I, I really don't believe that Frederick Anderson can be activated from long term injured reserve. You know, essentially when the Leafs put him on LTI just at the trade deadline and then acquired contracts that would make it so that he couldn't be activated, they were basically signaling that Frederick Anderson was done for the regular season. And, you know, obviously these injuries have, have popped up since to Zach Bogosian and Zach Hyman, and there's probably a way that they could put those guys on LTI and activate Anderson, but I think it's against the spirit of, of their original moves at the trade deadline. And, and, you know, I think it's similar, for example, with Tampa and, and, Kucherov, you know, now Stamkos has been hurt and there would be a way to activate Kucherov's salary, but I think it would sort of be against the spirit of the rule, which is a long way of saying if we if we rule out that I, I don't believe he's going to would be eligible even if he gets healthy to play regular season games for the least before the end of the regular season. Um, you know, this is probably the bet, next best option. And and we've seen the Leafs do this before, you know, when it feels like 108 years ago, but but last season prior to the COVID break uh, Jake Muzzin, when he was returning from injury, actually played a game or two with the Marlies as, as a conditioning stint. And I remember at the time, you know, Kyle Dubas saying like that was something that they wanted to do more, and, and they really appreciated that a veteran like Jake Muzzin was willing to go down and, and and have that experience because it does just ease your transition from, you know, it's one thing. Yeah, obviously you have your injury recovery, your rehab, and, and what have you. Then then you get into practices and you you start ramping up. But I do think that there's there's a nice next level before playing an NHL game, which which could be playing in the AHL. And so I, I don't so much think see it as an evaluation thing for Anderson. If he goes in and lets in five goals, you know, I'm sure everyone will freak out. But I, I don't think that that's what it's about. It's just about being back in those situations, having his heart rate get up, be in a game, and, and you know, get used to the speed of all that because I don't think it can be mimicked completely at practice. So... Did you hear any of our interview with Dwayne Rolison yesterday? Or did you see any of the quotes that came from it? I did not. I apologize. No, it's okay. Um, hey, better than what some other people did, which is use the quotes and not attribute. So I'll, mm. I'll take that. Um, name names. Who did that to you? Some yeah, people have done that. Uh, it's the it people we're not like... supposed to name their names. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so. Okay. Now, now yeah. I've got a project for when we hang up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You can do as uh, as someone once texted me, gig, and I laughed at <laughs> for a half an hour when someone wrote that to me. But he essentially said that if Freddie's practicing right now, he can play. And 
So now, to me, it's just a question of how long we wait before those AHL starts and whether or not they see any value in bringing them. Like, it seems pretty clear from your standpoint that the NHL stuff doesn't seem like a priority. I think the AHL thing can be fine because, as Rollison outlined, like, hey, we do sort of overstate the importance of having a ramp-up period that he'd like to get the game angles down where you get in a game and you start to feel the puck a little bit differently from game angles as opposed to practice, but that most of it can be replicated there and that you can do a lot of things to get a guy comfortable in a practice practice and I wonder if other GMs are pissed about the Leafs cap maneuvering because to me it's kind of seemed from day one like yes has Freddie Anderson been hurt of course are they trying to get him fully healthy absolutely but you know there's uh, what 11 games left how many games are left? no there's less that's NBA there's 11 there's eight seven eight eight there's eight games left yeah, I keep getting confused with the NBA. I would just imagine if I was another GM, I'd be looking at this and I'd start to get pissed off unless I wanted to be able to just continue to do the same type of cap maneuvering, and so I shut up about it. Yeah, the Lightning are not saying anything. They're quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, I mean, this is this one year. I mean, almost, I think half the teams are in LTI, right? So, yeah. you know, this is not like a Leafs issue specifically. I mean, obviously this has been a front office that has used the rules to its maximum effect, I would say. But, I mean, that, no one's saying they're cheating. I don't think they're cheating, honestly. They, they weren't above the cap uh, leading up to the, the, the trade deadline. You know, they, they had a situation where Frederick Anderson, to them, was done for the regular season, I believe. And so they put him on LTI and acquired a few more contracts. I mean, that's allowed in, in the rules. You know, the, the Montreal Canadiens did the same thing with Brendan Gallagher. I mean, they didn't make up his injury. He had a shot go off his wrist or his hand. He's done for the regular season. They used his cap space. I mean, that, that's that's the system. But I do think that, again, that it would probably be viewed in some corners as potential circumvention of the cap if they were to activate him before the end of the regular season. Now, no one has told me this explicitly, so I, I, I should admit here I could be dead wrong. Like, maybe he gets activated for the last game of the season and he plays in Winnipeg. Like, that, that, that could happen because, you know, obviously this is a delicate subject. It's hard to get. 100% clear information on what's going on. But I do think it's it seems more likely because they don't have to activate him off LTI to have him play those Marley's games that we see him get time in the AHL and then he'll be around uh, at some point in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I don't know. That's to been me, the feel for a while Yeah, from this camp. I, I don't think it's a big deal, but to me it's like you go on long-term injured reserve that kind of ends when you're not injured anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right, and he's only had two practices. Like, it's not like the Kucherov situation has raised way more eyebrows because he's been practicing for like a month and a half and, and you know, coming off his hip surgery. So, you know, I think it's it, it's two different things. I mean, it's the same issue, but, you know, as much as Dwayne Rolson might think Freddie Anderson's fine, you know, based on what Freddie Anderson told us this week, like he said, he still feels like it's it's all happening a little too fast. Like I, you know, I get the sense that he wants more of a ramp-up period here, and I don't think he was reading from some manual they, they handed him. It seemed like he feels there's still some work to be done before he's ready to play. So a lot of this, though, also is dependent on what's up with Zach Hyman, right? Because you only... Can, you can only really do this if you're deciding that he's done for the regular season. Do you, do you believe, like, is your feel that he's going to see regular season games before this is all said and done? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, look, his two-week period is up as of the end of this weekend. It was initially, you know, announced as a minimum two-week injury. I actually asked Sheldon Keefe on Monday about Hyman. He said there's nothing new, but, you know, didn't indicate it was going to be any longer necessarily. And so it's not to say that Hyman will necessarily play next Monday night, but I I do think that you're going to see them want to get him into the lineup because, you know, they're still slotting the pieces here. Like. The, the sense I'm getting from a lot of what we are hearing from Sheldon Keith is that, you know, Nick Polino started in this spot on the top line, but he, you know, gets, you get the feeling that they think he's placeholding for, for till Hyman's back. And then there's going to be some sort of third line built around Polino, I would think. That's assuming Galchenyuk holds his place, uh, which is <laughs> probably up in the air a little bit with, with uh, Tavares and Nylander. But, you know, it, Basically, all of this has to work itself out somehow. You know, obviously, you can get to game one of the playoffs and start figuring it out there. But I, I would think if if the option is there, if Zach Hyman feels comfortable enough to play, and you know he hasn't been skating at least with the team uh, since his injury, uh, but they would like to get him back for regular season games to kind of audition this and get a look at it and, and see how it all lines up because it's going to be kind of crazy. But the Leafs are going to get to the playoffs, it seems, and, and they'll probably be playing with some version of the lineup 
or at least the, the pairings in the lineup that, that we haven't seen before unless they're able to, to get Hyman back. Well, so that's interesting because we did a segment with Bourne on Monday, which was mm-hmm. which forwards are locks to be a part of the Leafs roster moving into the postseason. And I, I do believe Galchenyuk, two things can be true, right? He's been a good story. He's been way more than what you would have anticipated when he stepped in, which I thought he was just legitimately there because they were trying to find a left winger for Tavares and Nylander. And they said, hey, you've got an opportunity. He took it. He ran with it. But overall, I believe he has eight points in something like 26 games. And he's been a minus in his last five. And yeah, he's, he's not reliable defensively. Like, that's just a fact. And if you're going to say, like, we're giving 17 minutes of ice time to somebody right now in a playoff series, I'm really not sure that Alex Galchenyuk, as of today, is that guy. And so I I don't mind the idea of a third line built around Foligno. I think one of the cool things about Foligno is that you can put him anywhere. He's going to be pleased as punch to do whatever role that you ask him to do and that he's going to be capable of being one of those guys that moves up and down the lineup. But we did say that the Leafs have their team basically set except for that final forward spot, and that final forward spot was Galchenyuk and other guys. So do you think as of like today, Galchenyuk does have that spot locked in? Like you would be surprised, let's say, if he was not on the playoff roster to start, like the opening day actual lineup. Yeah, I would be surprised if he scratched, but I think, you know, where he's at is he's trending in the wrong direction, uh, which you correctly highlighted there. I mean, he had a pretty strong initial start with the team. I know it, it wasn't accompanied with a ton of points, but you know, certainly in the underlying numbers, but even just in what you were seeing with the lines he was put on, I mean, those lines were were a lot more dangerous in the offensive zone, and that includes, at the time, Nylander and Tavares, who who weren't going as well, nearly as well as they are now, or have been this last little bit. And so, you know, he earned a lot of faith from them. I think it did somewhat alter what they were thinking at the trade deadline. You know, which Kyle Dubas acknowledged on, you know, the day of the deadline. And, you know, what you've seen here is he's not played as well. And so they have to figure out, is this who he is? Is this just maybe all the games catching up to him after a long period where, you know, he didn't play a lot? You know, I think they have to sort that out in part over these next eight games because they'll they'll have a decision to make. But, you know, at this point, they're choosing to believe what they saw at the beginning and not what they've seen these last five games. You know, it's it's notable to me that Keith had a pretty long chat with Galchenyuk on the ice after practice yesterday or, you know, long enough, a couple minutes. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's clear that they're trying to light a fire under him, show some belief in him. But if if the current trend continues for the next few games, you know, I think you could get to, into a situation where they have to go another direction. But right now they feel like their best option is, is if he can play in the top six. And he's he's got to keep proving that because, you know, at, at some point, you know, they only owe him so much if, if the performance isn't there. I don't know if it's Nick Robertson or who, but but they're probably going to look in another direction because I I don't think they're going to play Galchenyuk too far down the lineup. It's it's that's almost it. top six or not at all. You know right. what I mean? Yes. Yeah, no, no, dude, that's exactly right. Like, because yeah, if he's there, these are the forwards: Hyman, Matthews, Marner, Felino, Tavares, Nylander, Spezza, Thornton, Simmons, Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Galchenyuk. Like, there's just no debate as to who's coming in, who's coming out. Like some people would have said like, Hey, no Thornton, no curve. But it's like, no, those guys are basically locks to be in there. And that means Felino's down, mm-hmm. which I don't know, means like, where's Felino playing like on that line? Yeah. The, the wild card yeah. also is, is Riley Nash who actually like the, right. his name came out of Sheldon Keefe's mouth yesterday mm-hmm. that he could start skating at some point he's another guy on ltir who i guess they can't activate before the end of the regular season maybe he's another guy who gets an ahl stint and i guess there a potential we see him in game one of a playoff series i i guess there is you know i don't have as good a feel for him because you know other than mentioning that he's due to start skating sheldon keith hasn't discussed him much I, you know i don't know how he figures in obviously his his own injury rehab you know, will factor into this. My my guess is he's probably not playing game one, just total guess, not not based on any info. But, you know, I, I think that he's a nice option to have just given his defensive capabilities. And, you know, really, his when, when he's on the scene, it's going to make it harder for Pierre Engvall to be in the lineup. And, and, you know, Engvall hasn't been in the lineup as it is right now. He was yeah. wearing a gray sweater again yesterday. So, um, you know, I, I don't think he's an automatic plays every game kind of guy, but, but he's not far off the list once he's healthy and ready to go. Uh, CJ, great stuff. Again, uh, people should go to uh, Chris Johnson's Twitter page, at Reporter Chris. Going to run 42 
1.2 kilometers wow. tomorrow. Rain <laughs> or shine, it's happening. What's uh, your post-run meal? Like, you got to have a treat lined up, right? You got treats lined up because I there's just no way I wouldn't know what my like. I, I would have it regimented where it's like favorite takeout ice cream, I, like all kinds of just different snacks. I, I would be disgusting after that run. Are you planning to be disgusting? Do you, do you have your disgusting post-run thing worked out yet? Because, like, like, do you want my help? Nothing I'll too, help you. I mean, depends on – you guys will probably roast me for this, but Pizza Pizza is a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh, my you God. And Sam you and McKee, man. And uh, my wife has a pretty strict we never order it rule, like literally <laughs> never, but that rule has been <laughs> lifted for tomorrow. So. so you were in some kind of an accident where your mouth was burnt on something, and so you're like, oh, you need, like, a 1,000 pounds of garlic sauce to just taste anything anymore. I get it. No, it's cool, man. Uh, it's cool. So that's it. So nope, that, that'll pizza, be it. Pizza. I'll probably be napping on on the couch by mid yeah. mid afternoon, and uh, I may or may not see tomorrow night's Leafs game. Depends how I feel. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. Hey, if you if you want uh, somebody to to run the account for you, don't ask us. But like, I'm sure someone will do it. Yeah, right. And I'll be running while you guys are doing your show tomorrow. So if it is just belting down rain, you can just think of my misery while that's uh, while that's going on. Yeah, oh, and it will be. So yeah. sorry. About that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Cool you down. You need that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, you do. You, you like need the, that extra. You, it's basically you got to think about yourself. Like you're basically rocky. You're running with like That's added right. weight stuff because like that is going to soak you. That's going to drench mm. you. Yeah. Wear wool well, socks, I guess. <laughs> don't do that because then they, they get very heavy when they get wet. So don't do that. Um, but yes, do donate to uh, Conquer COVID. And uh, CJ's got all the links on his Twitter page again at mm. reporter Chris, uh, our pal. Master of Bitcoin, Chris Johnson. Talk soon, buddy. See you, pal. Thanks. I started this hit feeling good. Now, now I'm leaving going like, oh. Ah, you're going to do great. Just think you're about the pizza pizza at the end of the run, buddy. You're going to crush it. <laughs> yes, run guy. That. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you. <laughs> see you, bro. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Pizza pizza. That's a really... So there's two things that are super insightful from there. One is that CJ believes that Jack Campbell gets the net game one of the playoffs, mm-hmm. which I would definitely at this point, how could you really push back to it? I, I am still a believer that Freddie Anderson has the higher ceiling of the goaltenders. I think that Freddie Anderson is owed an opportunity to play playoff games. Some people don't. They think that he's just a sieve and he's terrible and blah, blah, blah. But those just things are not true. That guy's been here and he, as CJ pointed out in his last column, has played more regular season games since 2016 than anyone other than Connor Hellebuck. And he's done it for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he's done it in the face of them never getting him back up goaltenders and asking to ride him year after year after year. He's also had incredible performances in the playoffs, and people have chosen to see what they want to see with Freddie Anderson. I'm not – some people are even hearing this right now, and they're like, Bunk, you're just making excuses, and you love the guy, and blah, blah, blah. No, I don't. Like, he has let in bad goals in the playoffs. He has had some substandard games. But the idea that game five against Columbus is somehow on him when the Leafs were like, ah, oh, we didn't score – um, is asinine to me, especially considering that this team has built, been built around offense and scoring potential. So the Freddie Anderson narratives have been wildly unfair. He has done a lot for this team. He has been their best goaltender since they had Ed Belfour and Curtis Joseph. I believe that in an unrestricted free agency year, if he's healthy and ready to play, you give him an opportunity in the playoffs. If Jack Campbell's game one, no problem because Jack Campbell has done the job well. He's been the healthier guy and he's proven that he is capable of doing that job. So that's cool. But number two is I got no problem with Felino on the third line. I actually like Felino on the third line far greater than I like Hyman on the third line. But yeah, I do like him on the third line more when it's Riley Nash centering that group than say Alex Kerfoot centering that group. Mm-hmm. Like, So is it Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Felino? Because that's okay. That's fine. And then your fourth line is the guys that I outlined, but all of a sudden that puts yourself in kind of a tricky position. I, I just I, – I, I don't trust Galchenyuk for 17 minutes a night. That's all. And I just trust Felino more. And I would like to see Felino get a look with the Tavares-Nylander group and just to see, hey, how does this operate? How does this work? Mm-hmm. But I'm with CJ where it's such a – strange thing to say that either somebody's getting 17 minutes a night for you with Kelchenyuk or he's mm-hmm. off the roster entirely but that is the bubble question moving forward of, of, of course it 
but that's of course that's the case. He yeah. needs to spend a lot of time in the offensive zone, mm-hmm. and none of it in the defensive zone. So mm-hmm. that means top six is where you're destined. I do believe that this team's best lineup includes Riley Nash if he's fully healthy. Well, yeah, he's really good. Yeah, uh, keeping pucks out of the net. And again, to our point and our conversation with Bourne is that you, you, if you have two choices, offense or defense, when you already have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner playing 20-plus minutes on the top line, you're taking defense every single freaking time. That means Riley Nash is in the lineup for you. Hopefully healthy enough for, for game one of a postseason series, which will happen against the Montreal Canadiens. It's now like fait accompli. It's, it's weird final eight games where half of them are against the team that you are almost... 100% assured of playing in the in the first round. Man, if if Riley Nash can get healthy and he's Riley Nash, that a line of he, Felino and Mikheyev could have potential like we talked to Merrick a while back about our favorite lines that kind of get forgotten history, but just like the Sammy Paulson line during the the Ducks run. Mm-hmm. I know that's being a little bit hyperbolic because we haven't even seen it and those guys were awesome, but that's sort of like Keith always wanted the shutdown line, right? Yeah, that's shutting things down. But it, but those three guys are all so good defensively, and then it frees up Hyman to be with the best players and not have to quote unquote like anchor a line and help guys get. It's just that's a lot. It's a lot on line there. All of a sudden, you're looking at it and saying, "Those are your three lines," and then you close with a group of Thornton, Spezza, and Wayne Simmons, who gets offensive zone draws from time to time and only has to right. give you eight like to ten hard minutes, and it's pretty. Yeah. Break, like it's pretty good forward balance, man. It's yeah. pretty good forward balance. So yeah, you described a lineup without Alex Kerfoot, which I don't think is out of the, the realm of possibility. No. Well, or well, I would actually say I. I don't know. What did it, you describe would, there? Yeah, because well, you have Galchenyuk no, because, still no. on the second line. No, I actually think that one of the Alexes will play there if the shutdown line happens. Mm. All right, but really, it should uh, be Spezza, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> We haven't seen it at this point, and he's like one of the best per 60 scorers in the National Hockey League. So it's probably not. You're telling me that the Leafs are down a goal and the game's online that you don't want to see Jason Spezza play next to Tavares and Nylander? You're nuts. Yep. So we touched on a little bit today how. Things have been difficult lately in this country and in this province and that emotions have been closer to the surface for a lot of people lately and stress has been very, very real. It's been a little bit more difficult to enjoy things you enjoy even outdoors, being active, finding activities, things to do. It's been hard. And we've got some breaking news, which is... Let me pull it up here because I want to read it verbatim. I don't want to screw it up. But the Canadians have announced that forward Jonathan Drouin will take an indefinite leave of absence from the team for personal reasons. Uh, so he's been placed on long-term injury reserve by the club, and uh, we ask everyone to respect his privacy has been the, the word from the Canadians. But uh, just want to say we hope that Drouin's okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously whatever it is, it's very, very difficult because it's long-term. And, yeah, um, that's really too bad for a team that's on the cusp of a really, really exciting playoff series with Toronto, we hope, um, and that things progress as uh as they need to um eric engels of sportsnet joins us now hey eric how you doing man i'm doing well guys uh and i'm echoing your your sentiments as well i hope everything's okay with jonathan during for sure so i it, like the the roster impact of this is is pretty significant like uh, aside from everything that we hope that the guy is okay but does this essentially kind of lock in a place for Caulfield? Because this team is one that has desperately needed skill. You outlined it in your latest piece when you wrote about Caulfield of just like the game breaksmanship that he has in comparison to anybody else on the team. But yeah, does your thought from a hockey standpoint go to, hey, this, this guy's in now? Well, first of all, uh, I love the term game breaksmanship. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. Uh, I've never heard it before. It was incredible. Yeah, me neither. Secondly, um, you know, it, it locks it locks a spot in for either Evans or Caulfield. And that piece that I wrote was about both those guys and the energy they brought. And Jake Evans was the best player on the ice in their last game. And, uh, you know, he didn't deserve to get pulled out of the lineup. And these roster constraints kind of kept him out for a little bit. And now one of them can for sure stay on emergency recall. And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see whether it's going to be 
Evans or Caulfield. Right now, as the morning skate is unfolding in front of me, there's no Thomas Tatar or Paul Byron on the ice. And so I would assume both of the, both those players, Caulfield and Evans, are going to play against the Maple Leafs tonight. And uh, looking at a line of Cole Caulfield with Nick Suzuki and Tyler Toffoli. And played with Philip Deneau and Thomas Tatar on the road. At home, obviously, those guys have the kind of the key matchup responsibility. So I think, you know, it makes sense to see him where he's skating right now. Man, I uh, you you can admire my terming of uh, I don't even remember what it was anymore. I was uh, gonna say I think you you game was game like breakmanship. breakmanship. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you can you can admire that. that but did it the first time. I but I but I am always I always admire people who can do a lot of things at once because I'm a simpleton and all I can do is one thing at one time. Like, if you've ever hung out with me, you know if I look at my cell phone, it's over. Like, there's no part of me that's able to listen to you, right? Like, it's just I have a one beat mind. I saw you tweet out the the line uh, just as you were talking to us. You're down at practice. You're doing multiple things at once to Foley, Suzuki, Caulfield. I'll just say this. As a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, seeing those three names together makes me feel afraid. Okay? So mm-hmm. take that for whatever it's worth. I don't like seeing those three names together. Yeah, I don't blame you. You got a 25 goal scorer on the line in Tapoli. You got yeah. a guy in Caulfield who's got the potential to to be a, a major goal scorer in this league. You know, we it, all the questions about Caulfield, you know, had to do with what else he can do, which I think is a lot. He's a really talented and smart player, and he's only going to get better as we move along here. And Nick Suzuki obviously um, played really well on their road trip. It was kind of an un- unheralded story as they were losing games and not scoring enough. But he, he, his detail in his game was, was quite strong, and I think this is a big boost for him to play with those two players and a player that is good at finding players on the ice. What you know, The, the first thing that stands out to me is they're going to play Toronto, and just the excitement factor of seeing that line potentially go up with one of Toronto's explosive lines, is it, it gets me a lot more excited than the thought of watching another Calgary Flames-Montreal Canadiens game. Let's put it that way. Oh, you didn't Man enjoy the that? Flames. You didn't enjoy those? You didn't enjoy the Flames were like, hey, by low event, we mean no event. Yeah. <laughs> like That's what we're going for here. Zero event hockey. We want to be the first team ever to do that. But, yeah, this is exciting, and, and I'm, I'm buoyed by what is going to happen here between these two teams. It's why I've been rooting for Montreal. It's because I want this series. Part of me is definitely that there's a level of confidence with Toronto, but a lot of that confidence is that I don't think Montreal has the game breakers to keep up, but you look at a line like that, and that's why I feel a little afraid is because that's something that Montreal has been missing all season. And what I've been so fascinated by with this team is that they make the coaching change, and frankly, from a record standpoint, it hasn't really done what you'd hope it had the original surge it's kind of coming down if this team gets blown out in the first round what's the kind of heat on Bergevin like if he sits these guys if he doesn't put forward some of these young guys that are having impacts right now in favor of veterans how much heat is there going to be because the excitement for Caulfield is obviously massive like it captivated the hockey world for two straight days do you think that this is like he's how is this just impacting the way that fans are looking at Bergevin and the urgency of this team and the need to actually at least push the Leafs in a playoff series? You know what? I, I, I think it's much more important to consider how Jeff Molson and ownership and, and uh, how they view Bergevin in this light. And look, let's face it, you know, they spent over $100 million in the offseason. They've had a regular season that's been underwhelming based on everybody's expectations from ownership down to general manager to coach to players to fans, to media. Um, you know, I think to a certain degree that's been influenced by the fact that they've been wire-to-wire in a playoff spot without that much of an opportunity to move up the picture and without um, that much threat behind them. Uh, and the fact that they're a really veteran-laden group that kind of knows when to burn it and when not to, and, and they know what's ahead of them if they're going to participate in the playoffs. Now, that's not going to sound good to their fans, but it's just true. You know, like people looked at the Calgary series and said, wow, you know, like five games against Calgary in the last three, and there's got to be urgency to put them behind them. Like, Calgary was playing to stay alive in the playoff race. Montreal came into the series with an eight-point lead and a game in hand. Um, you know, you can say you want to approach it as a playoff series, but there's nothing that simulates the real thing. And, you know, urgency can't really be manufactured. It's either there or it isn't. So, look, you know, I, I'm not making excuses for them. At the end of the day, if they go into the playoffs – and they bow out quickly to Toronto when we've all been saying this is a team that's built for the playoffs and that potentially has been saving it for the playoffs, you know, after an inconsistent season and not meeting expectations, there's got to be consequences for that, whether or not it leads 
the Mark Bergevin stepping down or him losing his job is going to be a question people ask, certainly in the fan base, but it really depends how the owner feels about it. And, and I would suggest that, you know, the pressure's on. The pressure's on everybody here. So, And look, the games between these two teams have been really tight. I would love mm-hmm. to see them play in the playoffs, and I don't expect that either team would be a walkover when they get there. So I, I think, you know, we've got four games between Montreal and Toronto to watch. We can't manufacture the urgency of a playoff series, but we will see some tempers kind of flare up here, I think. And it's exciting times right now, and we'll see where it all goes. So that's interesting, talking to Eric Engels, because, yeah, they have four against each other and only eight games remaining for the, the Leafs in their season. And Flames had to run the table. They didn't. They they lost the final one of the that series in regulation, which pretty much ended them because now the, the Canadians have a game in hand and six points up. And, and I don't expect the Canucks to run the table either, so I think they're in. I think this is happening. In the first run, round, I think it's the Leafs and the Habs at least can actually clinch a playoff spot tonight if the Senators win in, in regulation. Um, the urgency is obviously not going to be there for them. They're trying some new things. The Canadians would like to make it actually official, so I imagine there's a little more urgency. What do you expect to learn in these four games, and specifically tonight? You know, it's a great question, and and I guess the answer is I don't I don't expect to take massive conclusions away from it. You know, it's it's a question of, I think if you're on Montreal's end, you know, you've been kind of waffling between wins and losses for a while now, and you want to be peaking at the right time, just like the Leafs do. Um, You know, the Leafs have a lot more evidence to suggest that they're ready to do some damage in the playoffs than the Canadians do. So I think that's the real incentive on this end. And, you know, I I don't expect them to be playoff games, these four games against Toronto, but I do expect them to reveal that the Canadians have to send a message to the Leafs that it ain't going to be easy. So, I'm excited for it. And, and yeah, the, the opportunity for these two teams to play each other for the first time since 1979, I mean, I haven't seen it in my lifetime. I'm born in 1983. It's something I've always dreamed of. Um, I wish it were under different circumstances where fans could be in attendance, where both media contingencies could get together after games for some beers or some, some you know, non-alcoholic beverages or whatever you want to say. Um I just think it would be such a blast. I think it would be even more fun if it was in the second round because I love the idea of both teams being successful through the playoffs. But uh, if that's what we get, I'll take it, you know? Dude, yes. And I just – I want it so badly. I I have so many friends. Two of my college roommates were Habs fans. Um, like uh, uh, my my best friend from high school is a huge Habs fan. I've just I've grown up with this my whole life, and the like we've already outlined this like earlier during shows this season. But like the biggest moment between Habs and Leafs in my lifetime was that regular season game. I think it was game 82 for the Habs, and or no, it was both. It was their last game of the season for both of them. It was just that there was the game remaining behind them, which settled it ultimately. But Leafs spoil the Habs getting in the playoffs. And then the Wade Dublowitz game happens. And, like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> because I grew up with VHSs of Forever Rivals and my dad telling me about how important these games were. And I just haven't really been able to experience that. Even though when I would go on trips to the Bell Center and uh, be wearing my Leafs uniform and be down there as a fan, it was always, like, contentious and fun. And there was always a buzz in the building that was just different than any other hockey game I've been to. This is going to matter so much. And I, I just think that this is something that the game needs, that these two fan bases need, that these two markets need. But I have been looking at it very, very Toronto-centric naturally, which is the thing that Ben brought up of, yeah, you know, the Leafs are going to be experimenting and they're not really going to be looking to win these games. And you just saying that these four before the playoffs has completely shifted my thought of, oh, wow, like they're going to play four games and then they're going to play a playoff series. We might actually see something where these teams genuinely <laughs> – build up some hate and have some real deep animosity and that it gives us a much, much better product in that first round. It's so long overdue. You know, people yeah. talk about the Toronto-Montreal rivalry uh, and and play it up to be something that it's not. It's got nothing yeah. on Toronto-Boston or Montreal-Boston, which I think is yeah. an even deeper rivalry. Um, and, the, and that's just because it's just the games haven't mattered enough between them for years. And you know, the, the rivalry is there within the fan bases. I mean, I just need to check my Twitter mentions when the Canadians play the Leafs. But it's, um, it's, it's rivalry so desperately needs what you're talking about. And, and the idea of them playing these four games and then getting into a playoff series against each other, 
it's uh, it's the kind of drama we'd all hope for as hockey fans. So I I, I love the idea. I think that game that you mentioned, you know, where they played, uh, I think it was 2007 or 2006, the last game of the season to see who makes the playoffs. First game I ever wrote anything about. So it's uh, That's it's cool. a long time ago. So it's, and you're like, this is going to be forever, these two teams going back and forth. <laughs> and that was a crazy, that was a 6-5 game, I remember. Yeah. With, uh, oh, I think yeah. Michael Ryder had a hat trick. and He did. There was a controversy because Yaroslav Halak had brought the Canadians down the stretch and Chris DeBalhue started the game and allowed six goals. And Look, you know, it's been that long since we've talked about games that really mattered between these teams where both teams were good enough for it to matter enough. And I just, uh, I think everybody has been kind of excited at the possibility of this since the start of the year when, when we knew that there was going to be 10 games between them and there was a stronger possibility they'd be in the playoffs than there has been in, in you know, close to 40 years. So it's, it's uh, can't wait. Can't wait if it happens. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for it. I have been excited of, for the possibility all season long. Also been at times terrified of it. And I think Leaf fans now, after seeing this large sample of games in this division, understand they have the best roster in this division. The only thing that could upset them is a goaltending performance. And Connor Hellebuck was the guy that it was the boogeyman, and they tossed him from a game, and he had a, a real rough one after that. He's really slumped recently. And despite the up and down, mostly down, nature of Carey Price's season, you just had to go back to the play-in round against the Penguins to think, oh, yeah, he's just going to flip it on in the postseason, and that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to get, and that's what's going to knock you out of the playoffs and it'll haunt you forever, uh, the decaying corpse of Carey Price putting you out of the postseason. Now he's got the concussion thing, and who knows, and obviously you were wishing for his best on a personal level, but statistically, Jake Allen's had the better year. Like, is this – are they in better shape if Jake Allen is forced into starting game one of the series? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think that would be, no, I mean, I think that would be insane to look at it that way, to be honest with you, especially when you saw what Carey Price did in the bubble last year and what his numbers have been in, in the playoffs historically, you know, this guy, when, uh, when he's on top of his game is still, if he's not the best goalie in the world, he's right up there. Uh, I, I know that when he's not on his game, you know, the numbers look average and, and, you know, he's inconsistent and that's been the story for a lot of this year, but. You know, I would never bet against Carey Price in a playoff series, uh, bringing his best, and the hope is that he'll be there. Obviously, there's there's something, you know, we don't know when, when you're dealing with concussions. We don't know how long it'll take for him to get back into shape, back on the ice, and back into playing shape. So right now um, we're waiting for updates. I, I don't know if he skated earlier today or yesterday. We, we don't know. We're not, we're not, not going to speak to Dominic Ducharme for another uh, hour or so, so. As soon as we know that, I think uh, we'll have a better idea of what's going to happen here. But look, if they do have to depend on Jake Allen, here's the, here's the reason why they brought him in here. You know, his experience is such that they'll feel confident in him. And one of the biggest benefits of Allen and Price as a duo is that you don't, you know, one of the things that makes Kerry so hard to play against is how well he moves the puck. And you don't lose a lot of that with Jake Allen. He plays the puck exceptionally well. So it doesn't change the way your defense plays. It doesn't change the way your forwards play. It's, and, and the fact that he's been so reliable this year gives them the confidence that if they, they have to go down that road, they will. But, yeah, I would never, ever suggest that they're in a better spot with him in the net than Carey Price, uh, knowing what Price can do when the games matter most. Yeah, my only thought behind Ben asking that question is that he is trying to gaslight somehow Montreal into thinking that <laughs> same thing. Yeah, like that's the only reasonable or logical yeah. explanation. Yeah. Like I, I, all I could think of when you said that was Bloody. I already mentioned how the Caulfield line looks to me now with her. It's like Suzuki into full. I'm like, ooh, that line's kind of spooky. I don't really want to see that group together. The idea of Carey Price not playing in a playoff game in order for Jake Allen to go against the Leafs is like, that would be one of the sweetest things in my life. That would be the sweetest thing in my life. So that I, I can't think of anything that would make me happier than that situation of them doing that by their own volition. So, Turner. I got to ask you about Turner before we go. Just because okay. I, I think it's an interesting thing to ask hockey fans. It doesn't really impact too much in this country, but they go there. And there's a lot of already credit and belief that they're going to do some version of the NBA on TNT's panel or that they're going to mean to hockey what uh, the Turner means to basketball. I'm not sure. It seems actually like a lot. But 
I, I saw, I think it was in 31 Thoughts, there was a quote that was, I think that there's a quote, I think that there's a style to Turner Sports and approach, and we want to bring the same approach to the NHL, end quote. If there's something, they come to Eric Engels and they say, hey, there, what, where should we start? What should we do? What can we do differently? What do you say? I know that's kind of putting you on the spot, but do, are you optimistic about this? Uh, sure, I'm optimistic about it. I mean, I, I think it secures the health of the game to have two strong U.S. partners and spreading it to uh, different different, uh, different demographics and different people and, and just you know, the, the resonance that TNT has from the basketball crowd and, and the way they broadcast the game. Um, they came to me for a suggestion. I tell them I work for Sportsnet. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, uh, yeah. no, but, you know, putting the diplomacy and politics aside, uh, you know, I, I think the fans now crave opinion and analysis over, you know, recap reporting. Um, obviously, inside information is always going to be the, the highest value. And, and I think we do a great job of providing that at Sportsnet. Um, but yeah, you know, we can always afford to have more analysis and more opinion and more um, strong opinion in terms of the way we, we broadcast. And I think you're seeing that evolution, not only uh, in the States, but at Sportsnet and, and the different broadcasters that are associated uh, with, with the, the major sports here. And uh, I, I don't I see us going away from that trend. If anything, I think we could double down from a social media standpoint. I think there could be more of a personal brand element to things where there's more interaction between the fans, reporters, um, through Instagram and Twitter and all these vehicles that we have. So, yeah, I mean, I think the recipe is, you know, they're always thinking ahead, right? Like what we have at current is just a, a small sample of where we're going. And, and I think we're going in the right direction in a way that fans can connect to the game and to the people covering it. Um, more than they ever have before, and I think that's exciting. Yeah, when you have that's the really potential. Well said, bro. Yeah, and when you have the potential to have the loudest, uh, most listened to sports broadcaster in North America talk about your sport, that's a good thing. We're talking about Charles yep. Barkley, um, Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for doing this, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. It's my pleasure, and uh, my apologies. Uh, to your wife about the uh you know not being able to be on the phone and listen at the same time and all that stuff that's uh that's tough to you you're making enemies with that i think i have no idea what you're talking about but uh the, okay. the, uh, the multitasking the not being able to multitask that's, oh yeah yeah, yeah my work wife oh you're talking about yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I don't okay. know if you're married or whatever it is i took i took a, yeah. I took a no that actually felt here. like a personal assault, assault at me now where you're like hey to your wife i'm like wow you really feel like i should have a wife um no <laughs> i don't i'm actually all alone it's, no no hey, <laughs> Eric, it's raining outside it's raining, it's pouring here, and I have no wife. I'm just here in my apartment by myself. So that's cool. Okay. Thanks. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Be well. Stay, stay All right. Stay see you, Eric. See you, Eric Angle. <laughs> it's not. The, yeah, the look we each gave each other there was priceless. Dude, Which would no. be an NFT creative. I'm actually more I'm, – I'm, I'm embarrassed for me in multiple levels. One, yeah, I'm alone. Uh-huh. Eric's like, you're old enough. You should be with somebody. I'm like, I – yeah. Felt like my grandmother asking me a question there. Uh-huh. Two is that, do you know where my brain went? Uh, I can tell you. But, yeah, go ahead. Tell me where yours went. Well, I'm so old. I remember a time where people in your house could listen in on a phone at the same yeah. time as you. And that's where my brain went when he started saying that was, oh, he like what Ben's wife did we ever do a bit about no. your wife because you yeah. still have a home phone and I thought like there was something like that happening and then I realized that that's such a dated thing to think that if I was in my 20s I would never have thought that I would have immediately been like oh it's some cell phone thing I probably would have picked up what he was laying down if I was younger if I had no. a better brain if I was smarter I knew what callbacks were and I didn't live in an era where people could live and listen in on home phones I would have got that joke but I'm old and I'm dumb and I'm all alone yeah here's <laughs> I, my thought process was even dumber yeah. or Yeah. Oh, okay. Neurotic. Okay, do it. Please, I need that right now. I need that after, again, he was like, you have no wife? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to your like, non-existent wife. Yeah, the, criticizing wives brought me back to a text yeah. exchange I had with you last night that my wife was yeah. watching TikTok live streams of somebody yeah. scratching 50 different lottery scratch cards and how yeah. she was so engaged in that. I was like, how did Eric, did you tell Eric that 
I said that? Yeah. Was he like somehow overseeing <laughs> our text exchange? This yeah. makes no sense. Why are you bringing the wives yeah. into it? But yeah, that's what yeah. my wife was doing last night as I was working, working away, watching yeah. sports and texting back mm-hmm. and forth. She was, I didn't even know you could, honestly, I, TikTok is, it's a world unknown to me that they mm-hmm. have live streams on TikTok. She was watching somebody spend, I guess, $500 on scratch tickets. Mm-hmm. He got 50 of them at $10 a piece and for, I guess, an hour, just scratching them off, seeing if he won anything. He won about two hundred fifty bucks back of his five hundred. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I would watch that. <laughs> I would so watch that. I used to be judgy when it came to stuff like that, but then I watched unboxings. I used to say, "Who would ever watch unboxings?" Have you ever watched unboxings? It's the best. It's so good. I don't know why it's so good, but it's so good. And even when you were saying this thing about the scratch yeah. ticket, I, I thought. Yeah, I want to watch that. Where's where is, is that what people are doing on TikTok? I would watch that. I don't judge that content. I, I want. Couldn't that. get. I here's. I would so truth. much rather watch that than like a do-it-yourself video where they teach you how to do a thing. It's just some guy who's like, "Hey, I got my lucky penny, and I'm gonna scratch these tickets, and you're gonna watch me." And I, I would settle in for that hour. I could do it. Here's the truth about that type of stuff and trash television in general. So good. Is that, truth be told, yeah. I probably would enjoy it. But I'd be yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> At I'd least you so, admit it. At least I'd you be, admit it. I'd be and have been yeah. so in my head about mm-hmm. hating the fact that I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. That I, yeah, I know. Yeah. Like that would be yeah, an element of not enjoying it. Like when I. I know. Have you ever watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians? Like yeah, decent I enough can't... show. Like decent mm-hmm. enough. But you catch yourself. You're like, am I enjoying this awfulness and these awful people? I'm awful. Stop being so awful. So, yeah, I, I, I would if I was being totally honest with myself. Mm-hmm. But there's another element. It's like viewing with inside the – like we're through the looking glass here, you know? No, I like picturing you now <laughs> on your phone in the basement – your wife's like, Ben, what are you doing down there? And you're like, nothing. And yeah. she's like, oh, are you doing not good? Stuff? And then it's just, no, you're just watching scratch ticket videos. Yeah. <laughs> and you just won't admit to her that you're watching them in private. Yeah. I, uh, cool. I've i even enjoyed on occasion, like when it's uh, checking things out, watching people play video games. Like I've watched a Twitch stream for more than 10 that's seconds too far before. for me, because, but that's only because I don't like really video games. I only played sports video games with friends. But I this never is got sports video like, games too. Like I've, I've I know, but this. it's not even about sports video games. It's just that like all I ever did was play Madden, NHL, and 2K against friends in college. And then once it was, hey, you got to do, I would always be ambitious and say, I'm going to do franchise mode. And then it lasted 10 minutes and I would go, oh, yeah. I, I simulated I all the games. I hate well you <laughs> yeah. simulated all the games. No, I hated well, yeah, the, the non gameplay like, of the yeah. of those games. Like uh, making trades and oh man, I used to play the baseball one. Like I told you, I played hundred and sixty two yeah, no, baseball know, games I, that took an hour to, to play. <laughs> but yeah, the worst part was you, you had to like manage your minor league systems. Like nuts to that. Yeah. Play the games. <laughs> see see I actually liked that part of the games. You're weird. I did. You're so weird. But I would just get bored. I I didn't like. I only liked playing video games if it was against somebody. FIFA, same thing, right? No, Where it was like sitting down with my friends, right? Sitting down with my friends and playing against them and having it in the room and having the trash talk and then having the weird level of care of it. Where it would yeah. like actually affect your mood if you won or not. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it was a point of pride to win these games, and that if you got on a couple of winning streak, if you got on a yeah. winning streak against a friend, that it would get oddly personal. Like you'd have to start encouraging them a little bit. Oh, like, hey, you're doing good, or you played good, or you got some saves, or I got some saves, whatever. The worst was when I played. I don't know what it was. MVP baseball, the one with Manny Ramirez on the cover. That's the one where I would come mm-hmm. home from work. Uh, on my Xbox and just play a game or two against the computer. The worst is when someone would come over and want to play with me, and they're like, oh, you play this? I was like, all the time, literally like an hour a day, I play this game. And the game would be so different playing against a human being who didn't do like the predictable things Mm-hmm. that the computer would do and I would lose and there was no more devastating feeling than oh yeah I've I've spent a, over 150 hours playing this video game you just maybe played it once or twice and you smashed my yeah. brains into dust yeah. yeah yeah that didn't feel good that's a tough one that's that doesn't feel good 
It's true. You do get an inflated sense of self against the computer simulations. Yeah. Even when you put it on hard, you're like, man, yeah. I'm getting pretty good at this game. Then you play someone who's actually played people and is good, and then they, yeah. <laughs> they yeah, light you up, and you feel bad. You feel bad. Yeah. I just, I've, I had that moment with NHL where I used to be really good at it on, I think it was mm -hmm. PlayStation oh, 2. Too. I think I'm that old. Chow, where I was, was like, good. yeah. Yeah, I was really good, and then they phased in the sticks, and all of a sudden, deking was very oh, different, got, and you couldn't just go forehand, that. backhand, a shelf, or, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just immediately, it was like, this identity piece of myself was gone. Mm -hmm. I was oh, like, I did that with the, you know, the baseball games. The baseball yeah. games did the same thing, because it went from, yeah. you press the button to swing the bat, seems yeah, simple enough, to like, yeah, you gotta cool. move the bat with the stick thing, and it's like, what <laughs> on earth are we doing here? You know how impossible that is? You have to like, adjust to, yeah. you're like a real baseball player at that point, you're like, yeah. uh, is it a fastball? You're yeah. guessing fastball? And it's oh. like, nope, it's, you're way out in front, like, what are we doing here? It's, it's too it's difficult. Like, it's like that South Park episode with Guitar Hero, where... Randy yes. tries to teach them yeah. how to play real guitar, and they're like, "What's it?" But that's basically it. Is that at that yeah. point you might as well just go play real sports? You that's know, right. it's too close. What What are you doing playing baseball? If I got to swing the joystick the same way I got to swing a bat, I might as well go hit the cages. Like, right. there's no. <laughs> what am I doing here? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Before we break, um, we skipped over the Turner go. because I, I'm I'm glad you brought up Turner. But quickly, like yeah. Barkley is the thing that matters in this, right? Barkley is what matters. Mm. In what way? Like, in the sense of he's going to mention NHL from time to time? No, that he will be not a routine appearance, but he will make a, occasional appearances on the broadcast, that he will be in the NHL sphere at all. And what I said is true. There's nobody that matters more to sports broadcasting in North America than Charles Barkley. <sighs> Come on. Tell me I'm wrong. And that's not even the biggest sport in the world. The NFL is, obviously. But Charles Barkley is bigger than anybody in the NFL. You and I do this a lot privately, like sports media drafts, like who you would take if you were starting mm -hmm. a network. Like, would you take Mina Kimes? Would you take Charles Barkley? Would you take Kyle Brandt? Like, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Off the top of my head, even though it's a topic I think about frequently, I, I think Charles Barkley is really important, but that the proliferation of NBA players speaking their minds and having personalities has in a, some way... Not diminish the input, but just to me, it's that show more than it is mm -hmm. Barkley. Like, Barkley made the show the show, but mm -hmm. now the show is its own thing where, like, yeah. it's but a Barclay little bit more does plug and what, play. What, what you're doing the next two days, and he's like, I'm taking vacation. It's like, okay, you're, I mean, you're still watching but the show, But I still show, watch I guess. it, but that's what I mean. But I still I do. I mean, how diminished is the show without Barkley? Well, I'll tell you right now, just personally, my favorite is Kenny. Okay, but... <sighs> All right, you're such a. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth about what I feel. We make fun of Merrick being the hoggy hipster. You're the basketball hipster with the no, Kenny is my favorite. Of people's favorite is Ernie's Kenny. my favorite. Ernie's my favorite. Listen, I love Ernie. Okay, hey, I, so Ernie's you can have your Kenny. I'll take Ernie yeah. number one. That's fine. Okay. What is the show number? Oh, that's great. With? And I get Barkley number three. Now I have Kenny <laughs> and Charles. Like this is great. Uh, you get Shaq and Ernie. That's great for you. Um, to me, the exciting thing is the potential of them being willing to try new things and to push forward personalities more than any other place. And I, I agree with Engels that we have done way better with that. Everybody has done better with that. Honest to God, look at the way that hockey is covered, the opinion, the personality that goes into it here compared to where it was at a while back where it was like radio exclusive, but television was just like not really the place for that. Look at, dude, look at the guys we brought in so far. The the energy and the personality and the camaraderie right now. I love our panels. Like, I love the way that Stewie interacts with Friedman. I love the way that Versteeg has seamlessly fit in. Man, look at what Colby brings. He and Carolyn Cameron are like legitimate friends, and that comes through in spades on the broadcast. Kelly Rudy, Kevin Bieksa, David Am like. Everybody does show their personality way more than you used to in a traditional broadcast. I'm just kind of curious as to who they will target and what kind of a show they will bring and whether it will feel like they're trying to copy the NBA on TNT when that's something that you can't really replicate because it's organic and it's built over, like, what, 20 years? So... What do they do that's different? How different do they try to be? Because I just think that ESPN's more of a, like... Uh, button-down operation where they're going to just yeah. go with what, like, you know, it's going to look like ESPN. Turner, Jeremy, the exciting thing is, is it looks like something different. 
Yeah, Jeremy Roenick's the wild card in all of this, and I guess he's persona non grata, like he never gets back into media, mm. but he was the closest thing we had, the best chance we had, unless you think Brett Hull is that guy. Honestly, it kind of, like, yeah. I don't mind JR. I just thought it was actually a little bit of a flop considering the hype of him. Mm-hmm. I don't like doing this. I don't know why I even said that. I don't know. That feels either. like too far. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I liked his Michael Jordan story. A lot. Let's take a break. I forget that this goes out to ears. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah uh, sounds like somebody who's. Uh, it's funny though because today I was actually really I was really inspired by professionalism of certain people in the industry where I was like man I just like there's a couple people that I just like I really admire and I I I like being a fan and bringing you know this energy to the mic but I also just really admire some people that are able to just bring it at a high level every single day and still care about these jobs and that approach it with like the same type of energy as to when they started in the business and yeah then i just say that (laughs) (laughs) okay 